0: Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Monday, the final Monday in August. Can you believe it? Oh My gosh, it's September this week. Wow. Anyway, summer is rapidly running out and we're coming into fall, which is my season. I can't wait for Halloween. I'm already looking at Halloween things. Anyway, <laughs> warming up to Halloween. Uh, we have had a bunch of thriller authors and today is no different. We have Terry Shepard on today. He writes some fantastic thrillers, both it looks like for adults and kids. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. If you haven't met Terry yet, you're in for a treat. He grew up in Michigan and began writing fiction in high school, and after a long career in the corporate world, he took up the craft full-time in 2018. He writes detective fiction for both adults and kids from his home on the Atlantic Ocean in Jacksonville, Florida. And I did put a link to Terry's website. It's right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that anytime and hop over to his website. He's got a fantastic blog with lots of content over there, as well as you can sign up for his newsletter and check out what's coming next. So I definitely recommend clicking that. And Terry, are you there?
0: Hey, how you doing, Lisa?
1: (laughs) I'm great. How about you?
0: it is you know we're feeling very richly blessed at the moment that we're not in louisiana you know normally florida right. is in the crosshairs and stuff like this so we're enjoying the uh, heated humidity of <laughs> of almost <laughs> september yes. That's what we're doing <laughs> right <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a San Diego native, so when we moved to Florida, it has been a giant culture shock of this heavy air, the the humidity and the bugs. I'm like, what? Because um, <laughs> I came from very yeah. dry, so I'm ready for summer to be done.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's only about three months of the year when it's really fun to be down here. The rest of the time, right. it's, it's like the flip of, of Michigan. When in Michigan, you ran from your you know, your warm house to your warm car to your warm office. And here, you run from your cool house to your cool car to your <laughs> cool office.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you just flip the coin to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have a new book out called Chasing the Captain. And do you want to tell everybody about it, why they should go grab it this week?
0: Oh, my gosh. Well. This is the second in my Jessica Ramirez series. Jessica is my protagonist. She's a Latina detective from a fictional town on the Mississippi River in Illinois, a fictional college town today called Paloma, Illinois. And um, she is always getting into trouble. She's uh, in her first book, Chasing Vega, she was in a meth lab bus that went bad. She got suspended, and she took this, you know, a month to go visit her uncle in Flagstaff, who was the sheriff of Coconino County out there, and stumbled mm-hmm. upon a um, a um, serial killer who was doing a lot more than just killing bad guys. I, I love my, my favorite type of antagonists are people who do the wrong thing for the right reasons, so that's what we made Vega. But Vega also had another thing she was working on, which was much, much worse, and at the end of that story, there was one guy who got away, and that was her boss, and he was known as the captain. So book two is Jessica following the captain's trail, and she chases him through um, London and ultimately to Moscow, which is his headquarters. So that's that's the book in brief. Why does it take place in London? Because Jessica has a Twitter handle. Jessica is on Twitter as DET Jess Ramirez. And the bulk of her fans seemed to be cops in the UK. So they were writing to me saying, we want Jess to come over here. So the entire second act takes place in London. (laughs) Oh,
1: how funny. Wow. So you definitely allow your readership to guide your, your novels.
0: It sounds like. Absolutely. You know, the, the, um, the goal really for me from the outset was to try and craft an ensemble cast that was a diverse representation of who we are. So, uh, you know, Jess's partner is LGBTQ and Megan, our medical examiner, Dr. Joey price was, uh, uh, on the autism spectrum to this day. He is the most popular character in any of my stories. He gets the most mail. everybody loves him, but that's the world I create. And, um, When I put Jess front and center, I did worry a little bit about, you know, it's kind of politically incorrect for a white guy from who was born (laughs) in Michigan to be writing about people of color. But um, the way that I looked at it was that I wasn't expropriating culture. I was celebrating it. And Jess is based on a really good friend of mine who's a 25-year veteran of the cop shop, a Latina female, and a lot of the things that happened to Jess were dimensions of her own career and her own struggles so it gave me an opportunity to write some happy endings for her and also to really immerse myself in a variety of life experiences and you know for me that was a huge gift because what i was able to develop was empathy you can't really walk in someone right. else's shoes but we could walk beside them you and you and i when i was you know, boning up on, on you, 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 you know our family phrase. Our favorite family phrase is the phrase, love you no matter what. L-Y-N-M-W is how we always <laughs> sign off with our family and texts and emails. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping that I'll be able, with these stories, that we'll be able to become more empathetic, you know, culture and have more acceptance right. and more celebration of these amazing people. And that the people who, you know, play the roles in my stories will inspire others to dream that maybe someday they can grow up to be heroes, too.
1: Right. I love that. And how did you get the idea? Well, obviously, you have your friend who inspired Jessica. But how did you get the idea that you wanted to blend? Because your series kind of blends the typical thriller with also a police procedural and, and a female heroine, so you kind of, you know, mashed all those things together. Was that your goal, or did it just come out that way as you started writing it?
0: It, it actually was my goal, um, in, in one of my jobs was uh, in an alumni relations capacity, and our university had a huge population of law enforcement professionals. At one time, it was the largest provider of future police chiefs and members of the cia fbi so i have literally hundreds of friends in the profession and i spent a lot of time riding in police cars and you know i went to a lot of the places where they did their training and learned an awful lot about the cop shop but at the same time lisa you know this is entertainment so every one of them understands that my definition of a police procedural doesn't always follow police procedure. Right. <laughs> right. Just at the end of the day, right, you know this, we're writing for an audience, and we've got to make sure that people want to turn the page.
1: Right, right. My my cousin is a police detective, and I had her come speak at um, my RWA chapter once, and she, at the end of her speech all about police work and all that, she said, she said in the end, it, we realize that it's fiction, and you need to speed up the timing of things, she said, because if you wrote it realistically, 90% of the time, we are filling out forms and writing up reports, and she said, it doesn't make for a good story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that is so true, and I think you know the thing that I really try and do in each case, in each one of my characters, is I try to get the essence of who they are as human beings, Um, because that's what is the the fascinating part, and I love it when you know all of my L G B T Q girlfriends think that I have been spying on them to write Alexandra, you know, to a person (laughs) they've all sent me letters saying, you know, way too much about me. Why are you putting this in the book? it's, it's not that specific but what I that I took that as a compliment you know i that if i'm able to be authentic in creating these people they will not only find an audience but it, it might inspire uh, others to try and feel proud about who they are and and that's the secret behind it throughout my corporate career that's what i was all about as an executive i was always trying trying to find ways to Remote women and um, the disaffected, to give them opportunities to grow professionally. And when I decided to write fiction, that was my overall goal, is to try and do something to make a difference in the world. And, um, you know, it never goes as planned, right? At least, I mean, things just kind of happen. Right. And when the, when the pandemic came around, that's when I became a children's author because my grandkids got scared. They, You know, they, want, they wanted to understand what was going on with COVID. So I wrote a one-off for them. I wrote a little Dr. Seuss story called Juliet and the Mystery Bug that basically taught them how to wash their hands, blow their nose, put on a mask, how to make a mask if they didn't have one, and about the science behind vaccines. And, you know, what happened was that they loved it. The neighbors saw it. They wanted copies for their kids. And before I knew it it starts showing up at doctors' offices and has become a thing. It's kind of an underground thing around the country right now because it, I've made that all of that science accessible. I wrote it right off of the CDC guidelines. Those guys gave me the, the science behind everything, right. so I explain it. But I, I write it in the way that, you know, we grew up with green eggs and ham and Sam I Am, and that's the stuff you remember. So when you're right. using Dr. Seuss uh, Petrafic Petaviter poetry, they memorize it. And that's the biggest complaint I get from parents about Juliet and the mystery bug is that the kids want to hear it over and over and over and over. And it drives them nuts, but they learn <laughs> the skills, right? So, so that, right, that, right. I never, never expected to be in that space, but it has been incredibly rewarding, you know, because when you go, when you, I, Juliet and I, our, our, our granddaughter has Down syndrome and she's five and she's cute as a button. And we, we read the book together. We, we do a uh, classroom presentations over zoom and to watch these kids, for them to understand what they need to do to stay safe and to take the fear out of the equation for them has been such a wonderful feeling.
1: That is so, that is so special. I love that. And I also noticed on Amazon that it is being translated into other languages.
0: Yeah. yeah you know, I try to, with my books, you know, I try, especially with jets. I want to make sure that that she is accessible to people like her, so I hired a translator, and I said, "Look, make this your story. You just keep the plot point, the main plot point, you know that we call them the wireframes of the business. Stick with that. But if you think that you know her mother ought to be serving something else beyond carne asada at the dinner table, or if there's a road you want to go down to, a rabbit hole you want to go down to, to make this more authentic for a Latin audience do it and that's what she did so um for chasing vega that that gave a whole new audience and then the real tough part is that when you're trying to rhyme you just can't use a straight translation (laughs) right
1: right we talked about you know
0: we talked about what you know what the concepts were and then i just cut her loose i said make it your own i I speak spanish i read spanish but i wouldn't dare write spanish because i don't you know i don't have that literary skill But it was so much fun to work with um spanish language uh a spanish language writer co-writer and the editors and that entire group. I learned so much more about that dimension of publishing from that experience highly recommended
1: yeah, I bet, and you also write some middle grade mysteries too, right the Waterford detectives. How did that come to be?
0: well, you know that is i I'm sure you've had this experience being an author you know i I picked my grandson up from school certain days of the week. And one day when I was picking him up and driving him home, I don't know what he was talking about with his friends, but he was, said to me, Grandpa, do you have a job? Do you have a job to work? And I said, <laughs> yeah. I said, I write, I write stories. And he goes, well, you write a story and make me the star. And I said, of course. I'll be glad to. Aww. So that's how the Waterford Detective things began. I, I wrote, wrote it about him and his best friend. And, um they're very simple, you know it was a new a new place for me um but what I wanted to do was I wanted to turn that into something that could be used in the classroom so I did a that one I did a side by side translation, so you can look at the in the book and on the left side is the English on the right side is the spanish so it's it's designed with a lexicon for fourth grade Spanish and can be used as um you know as a textbook and that's a marketing wow. secret that I discovered is You and I are always looking for new avenues to get our our stuff out. And, you know, October is the magic month in your space, right? That's what you've got to be out and about in that space. But I've tried to think about, you know, how can I make these books something that can become literature? How can I, you know, so I went to the University of Michigan School of Education, and for every one of my books, I had them create lesson plans and a teacher's package. So what's happening right now with Jess uh, 1.0, Chasing Vegas Spanish, is that they're they're actually using that in a a college classroom as a literary book to study. And what they're doing for me, this is fun, what they're doing for me at the end of the class, as I said, at the end of the class, I would love it if you would cast the Netflix movie for me. So tell me who you (laughs) think should play Jess, who should play Allie. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it to those people, and I'm going to say, look, this is what your fans want. They want you to star in this this book. I'll be glad to let you have it. And we'll see, we'll see if stuff happens with it. But it's just so much fun. You know, we always imagine, as part of our dreams as authors, is if we were on the big screen, who would we love to have star in our show? So I imagine right. you probably think about that sometime, too.
1: Yeah, I actually make Pinterest boards for my books as I write them so that I have a visual. You know, it just helps me when I'm writing. I I put scenery that's up in the book and characters. So, yeah, I always have it all cast with these movie stars of who everybody is so that I can get a good grasp of what their voice would sound like in my head and what they look like and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, Dreamcast is always good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great.
1: So I wanted to talk to you, too, about audiobooks, because you actually have narrated some of your own audiobooks, right?
0: Yeah, and this is the strangest story, Lisa, because I never I never planned it. Um, I, you know, I host the Authors on the Air podcast, and part of my stick is that when I do the open and the introductions, I we before we bring Lisa on, let's read something from her latest release, and then I read you know, a paragraph or two. And what uh-huh. happened about six, six shows in is one of my guests said, hey, let's stop the tape for a minute. I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> and that's how I got my first narration job. And, um, oh my god you know, I, yeah, but, uh, I will have done 10 by the end of this year. It's um
1: Wow, it's congratulations. Amazing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I grew up in broadcasting. I went to college to run radio stations and worked my way through as a DJ. So I knew enough about, the the voice acting world and then you know like anything I just immersed myself in that culture every time I tried something new Lisa I always try and seek out the the best people that I know in that space so when I decided I wanted to write my four favorite authors were Patterson and Dan Brown and Megan Abbott and Allison Leona. so I wrote to them I sent them fan letters and I said hey I'm not a stalker I'm about to turn 65 and I'm going to be writing full time. Would you give me one piece of advice for somebody my age who wants to get into the craft and to a person, they were just incredibly helpful, super friendly. Oh, we, I we, love became, that. we all became friends and, um, you know, that's what's happened in the narration space is that there's this whole culture out there of voice actors that specialize in, and there's a variety of narrations. There's book narrations, there's, um, now there's descriptive narrations on television for blind people where they're describing the action. Oh. It's not just the uh, the words that are being read. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do as a voice actor now that you couldn't do before. And I love the reading part. I really love well-narrated books. And there are a lot of bad ones mm-hmm. out there. You know, A bad narrator right. can turn a good book into a, to trash. But I think a good narrator can also elevate a good book to great. And that's my goal. The, when I, you know, I... I don't work for ACX. I don't work for anybody else. I, I work directly with my authors, and we don't stop until they're satisfied. And I really try and I try and make the book magical so that it's it, it can connect with that audience who loves to listen to good narration. And I hope it works. So yeah. Far good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I when my books first started coming out in audio i was not an audiobook listener so in my head i thought it was like a teacher reading you a book so i really it wasn't my thing but when my first series came out in audio i thought well i should listen so that i know what people are getting and it was for an older series so i hadn't read the books in years and so i'm listening i'm like Wow, I had no idea that you know they they really are actors and they do bring a whole nother dimension. I mean, it's it's almost like your book's a movie. You can hear, you know, it's just it was phenomenal. I was so blown away, and now I love audio books. I listen to anytime I see a book that I'm interested in. If it comes in audio, I'm like, oh, audiobook book, um, because you can fold laundry or wash dishes or whatever, and still be reading and they're just they're so fantastic so anyone listening who has not tried an audiobook take it from me it is not someone just reading to you it's it's like the story coming alive it's just it's fantastic
0: yeah well i'll tell you what did it for me lisa was um you know when i when this guest asked me if i'd narrate at first i was a little reticent and my wife who always is the magical person in my life who kind of pushes me in directions. She said, "Well, let's <laughs> let's go find some guys that you might like to listen to," and I stumbled across Tom Hanks's presentation of *The Dutch House* by Ann Patchett. I don't know if you've heard that, but no, Hanks is perfect. And you know, I'm, I I enjoy audio books, but I you know, Dutch House isn't my genre. I don't I didn't know Anne right. Patchett at the time, and. I got the book at the library and I literally could not stop. I, wasn't, I was, I had it plugged into my ears while I was doing weekend chores. I was staying up late at night because he was so terrific. He wasn't trying to do character voices. It was, it was Tom Hanks reading me the book and I decided, okay, that's my touchstone. That's what I want to be. I'm not going to try and do accents. I'm not going to try and do anything like that where it's, I'm really trying to immerse myself in a completely different character but I am going to try and render it in a way that who's ever listening is going to say, wow, I really enjoyed it, sitting on the couch with this guy and having him read to me. And so that's my goal as I work with my coaches and stuff and try and get feedback from people is how can I make that experience something that somebody will walk away from and say, it's completely different than the book, but it's better, you know, <laughs> that's the goal. Right,
1: right. Yeah, a whole different whole different experience. <laughs> So did you have to set up your own studio? Did you make a closet into a into a sound booth or how did you do it?
0: Well, I already I'm already in the space. Um I've been literally doing radio um as a side hustle, radio stuff, commercials, movie trailers, that kind of stuff for 50 years. Mm-hmm. So I have it all. Oh,
1: okay, so you have so it. it was,
0: yeah, it was just it was just um it's narration is different because it's a long form thing, so there's some skills you got to learn in terms of delivery and also in the production space, so that you can do it efficiently and quickly. Because these books are between six and ten hours a piece uh, of right. finished time, and you don't get it all right the first time through. So you got to you got to fix mistakes and stuff. So learning how to be efficient, you know, I wanted to learn how to do narration. Like you know how to turn out product. Holy moly! The, the you yes, write. Right. <laughs> I want, to, I want to, like, get you on my show just so I can interrogate you about your productivity because I want to be as productive <laughs> as you are. But that's something I knew how to do, and um, it really was just an – it turned out to be a natural add-on. And now it's becoming kind of central. I'm supposed to be retired, but it's become central to my day. I, I spend probably three, four hours a day in the studio narrating, um, at least as much as I spend writing.
1: But as long as you love it, then it's not work, right? Or at least that's the proverb.
0: <laughs> well, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, that's see, – see, Lisa, for me, everything everything starts with purpose. And I've spent my whole life trying to figure out what my purpose is. And I believe that I was put on this earth to try and inspire people to reach beyond their self-imposed limitations and do amazing things that they never thought they could do. So that when I was a corporate exec, that was the kind of leader that I was. And when I decided to write, I wanted to write stories that would inspire people to do that, too. Um, so, so And that's, I think that's the reason it's worked, right? Because purpose mm-hmm. has to connect with passion, and you got to have some skills. Passion and kind of talent go hand in hand. And if you can do those three things, if they're in alignment, then the money takes care of itself. You don't worry, because you will find right. your audience. And your audience will For find sure. you, and they will, they'll compensate you, and you'll be able to continue to do it. It's great.
1: Yeah, and then you can make more and keep keep the circle
0: going. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's, that's the odd thing is I don't even think about the financial side. I mean, my wife runs the. We have our own publishing company that owns all of my my books, um, and all of the stuff that I do, and she worries about all that. So if somebody wants to do something, she'll tell them what it is, what the what the arrangement is, financial arrangements are. I don't even think about it. I just, I'm just, I feel thrilled that I can even play <laughs> in the sandbox. You know? <laughs> You're so lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know, that's, that, that's a relatively recent event. You know, I mean, that's when when I finally finished corporate work, I felt like my life was over. I mean, I, I did have a, I had a depression event as a result of that. We have the depression gene in our family, and, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I felt like I, like my contributions to the world were done. You know, it was over. Right. And and I, 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 that bummed me out. And so my shrink said, look, you spent your whole life taking care of your family and trying to put financial points on the board. Now what do you want to do? And I didn't know, right? I had no idea. So we decided we'd try and- writing for a year. And I haven't looked back. It's been great.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! You remembered what young you wanted to be, and you tapped into that. And I think that is a great—that's a great way to find your next chapter of your life, because you honor that inner child, and everything just blooms around you because it's pure joy, right?
0: Yeah, and, yeah, it, it, it's so true, Lisa. And, it, and it's and there are a lot of things. I mean, that's p- part of my challenge is I—I I have a broad array of interests and and it feels like every morning i'm waking up and there's this apple orchard before me and the apples are ripe and i've got this little bucket i got to grab as many as i possibly can and <laughs> what am i going to do today that's the, that's the fun part and you know in the corporate world i knew what i had to do i was i was generating cash flow and i was minimizing expenses and it was like learning a board game and and, and in a way that's what our craft is right i mean when you started mm-hmm. You didn't have the skills you have today. You've learned all the shortcuts so you can be productive and create a really good product in the process. And that just comes with time, right? You just got to keep writing. You got to find honest critics. You got to find mentors. And you have to hang out with cool people like you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was lucky early on. I was working for a literary newspaper and uh, before I was ever published and I got to meet Ray Bradbury a couple of times and he was so inspirational. I mean, he could talk about writing and make you cry, but he felt like writing is tough because it is a craft. And he said, unlike other arts, like he said, you would never try to sell your first painting You know, you know that it needs to be better and the shadows and all that stuff. And he said, but in school you learn to write a complete sentence. And so you finish a book full of complete sentences and you think you're done. And he said, but you really aren't a storyteller yet. And he used to believe, you know, you had to write a half a million junk words before you actually find your voice and you become this, you know, storyteller. And so you definitely, as you more, the more you write, the better you get. I mean, it really is a craft and you get better and faster and stronger. And, and so definitely as you go, so every book, well, hopefully every book, you feel like it was better than the last one. At least, you know that's what you shoot for. And uh, so you do get you find you find your way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when we have more time, I'll tell you my Ray Bradbury story because I he he came into my life at just exactly the right moment when I was a kid and started me magic. down the road. Took <laughs> care. Yeah, he is magic.
1: He is magic. Yes. Yeah. So tell me your Ray Bradbury story.
0: Well, I know we're we're back and we got what two minutes left. We're running into yeah, yeah. You got
1: to give me the summary. Yeah.
0: Well, (laughs) um, well we, I had a I had an AP English teacher who uh, used music as part of the muse. So none of us at that point had read Ray Bradbury, and he brought in Elton John's Rocket Man, and that was my introduction to ray bradbury and like i do now i wrote him a fan letter and we corresponded for a while and he said <gasps> he, he was the guy that taught me to write something every day write every day yes don't ever oh stop it's like cardio yeah so i mean I, that I is so fantastic yep
1: yeah i felt like he he was he was magic and he loved the written word and he loved writers Um, that's the other cool thing about being a writer is that it's not, it's not like other industries where you're competing. You actually are peers. There are plenty of readers. You can't write fast enough for all the readers that are out there. So everybody can help everyone and it gets more stories out into the world. It's all good.
0: (laughs) That is absolutely the truth. I mean, that's why I give my email address out, terry at terryshepard.com. I invite people to the website. Because I want to give back what little knowledge I have, because so many people like you and others have been there for me. It's just made it a wonderful ride.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I'm excited that you were here today. I am so sorry that we are out of time because we could talk for hours. But I'll come on your show next time.
0: <laughs> Excellent, Lisa. Thank you so much. It's been great to be on Blog Talk Radio.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for being here.
0: Thanks for joining us on BookLights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.